Genesis chapter 32 we're in today. And Genesis chapter 32 is a chapter that's well known to many people as the story of a famous wrestling match uh, between a very unmatched pair. And that unmatched pair was between Jacob and God. Now, if you've ever observed the, the Olympics of, of the old, the oldest of them is wrestling, of the sports. But yet, what we're going to see was one of the oldest wrestling matches known to man. Uh, Jacob and God, as it was done in Jacob's most hardest moments in thought, is when this all came down. See, Jacob was attempting to meet his twin brother after 20 years apart. Now, Jacob's last memory of him was, was a death threat that was given to him for taking the birthright and the family blessing from Esau. And as Jacob was there pondering his next move, he ended up in a harder fight with the Lord, and he had no idea it was coming. You know, I don't know if you've ever watched bull riders before. You know, sitting on the back of this bull, bracing themselves for the ride of their life. And, and that's what Jacob was probably dealing with on, on the meeting with his brother. But to encounter the Lord is already a ride that you or I will not win. You know, in a bull rider in a wrestling match, we may be okay when it's said and done. But not against God. There was a cowboy who was interviewed about what it takes to be a good bull rider. He said that you have to hang on worse than the bull wants to throw you off. Well, what we will see is Jacob holding on for dear life, as we must as well. You know, like the cowboy who said you must hold on to the extent that he does when riding a bull, we must hold on to the one who created us. The one who created the world, the one who created the stars and named them beyond human count. The one who knows every issue that we struggle with. And he wants us to hold on to him. Because we hold on to sin and guilt just as tight, unfortunately. But like Jacob, he's waiting for us to trust him with our cares and concerns. He knew Jacob's, and he showed up when, when least expected, and that's what God does. Can we say that we've experienced God showing up out of nowhere when we were in a hard time in life? Well, we're going to observe that in, in Genesis chapter 32. In the previous chapter, Jacob already had his hands full when he escaped his uncle Laban after 20 years. He took his family and he took all of the flocks that were his and he decided to take that 300 mile journey out of, the, out of the land where he was at with his uncle Laban to where he was heading to where God told him to. Well, he kind of took off in the middle of the night. Or at least, if not in the middle of the night, when Laban wasn't around to see it. So Laban went after him. And when Laban went after him, and during the time when he was asleep, during, during his camp out, God spoke to Laban and said, You are not to speak to Jacob harshly in any way. You are not to deal with him harshly in any way. And so Laban met with Jacob and asked, Why did you leave and why did you take my daughters? Why did you take my sons, my, his grandchildren? As Laban claimed that they were all his. And Jacob went ahead and fought back and basically told him that, that I was afraid of what you would do. You've been cheating me for all these years, 20 years. Laban has been messing with his wages. 20 years Laban's been making uh, some false deals. And now it was time for Jacob to go by God's command. 
So they made a covenant with one another. Basically made a covenant that if, that if either one were to cross the side of, of the, each other's land, then may God deal with them severely. Because the covenant that was made was because they, it wasn't a covenant of love, it was a covenant of distrust. There was distrust there between the two. Neither of them trusted one another. So therefore, Jacob went ahead and got away from Uncle Laban and then felt led to meet up with his brother who threatened his life 20 years ago. So, Jacob's in for, for another round here. For another test. And it's going to be quite interesting to see because this is something that we've never seen happen with another person. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 32. And we're going to be observing first verses 1 through 8. And it said, So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt in Laban, with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. And then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him, and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, If Esau comes to the one company and attacks, then the other company which is left will escape. And as again, some chapters back, Jacob had left his home in chapter 28, which is now 20 years later. His brother Esau threatened his life because he took the birthright and the blessings on what was given to the firstborn, which was technically Esau. But Jacob was told to go live with his uncle Laban. So that 20 years away came with a price as Laban took advantage of Jacob every chance possible, as I mentioned. God told Jacob, it's time to return to your homeland. So Jacob had special guests with him. And these special guests were angels, in, in which he, he could actually see as well. You know, as we're just getting into Genesis throughout the Bible, angels have displayed their power and their calling of their creation. They're known as ministering spirits. You know, the, the Hebrew word for angel is malak, which means to send forth. And then if you look at it from a Greek sense, the angelos is the Greek word for angels, which stands for messengers. So Jacob knew that God was with him in his travels. But, you know, the sense of fear was still in him in meeting his brother Esau. He had to send messengers to see how Esau would react to, the, to meeting one another. And the reason of mention, uh, of mention for the livestock that he had with him was a gift, as we will see as well, as good faith. That, you know, that, that he was wealthy and not wanting to take anything from him. But, you know, to hear that 400 men are coming with Esau could not have been the easiest feeling. So what he did was he split the group in two, and some could escape if something happened, he said. 20 years is a good gap of separation from someone that had been in a bad family situation. But when someone had made a vow in these days, they were normally good on it to complete it. 
Esau vowed to kill Jacob when their father passed away. So 400 men showing up to see you would not look like a special welcoming committee. And I cannot stress enough the importance of family unity. You know, too often siblings are killing one another over possessions and lesser reasons even nowadays. But may the blessings of truth and love be, on, be in all lives for the sake of our societies. So let's go ahead and take a look now at what happens here in verse 9 through 12. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So we see Jacob's concern, and rightfully so. And 400 men behind a brother who vowed to kill him? You know, most normal people would be nervous. But dividing uh, our, normal, uh, our normalcy from our spirituality is night and day. We see Jacob was normal. There was concern. But in his spirituality, he did what was required of him. And what was that is, is was he prayed. But also with remembering God's promise of the continuing and the inheritance of his descendants. If we were to be 100% honest with ourselves, how would we deal with this situation? You know, I've heard many preach a good sermon on faith, and I've heard many rebuke those in the Bible for the times that they showed lack of faith. And it's, it's really easy to do when things are going well in our lives. But when it came down to the test, I've seen some change their demeanor really quick. And would Jacob be wrong for reminding God of what he promised? Well, we're reading it versus hearing the demeanor of his voice. But God knows us better than we know ourselves. See, I'm sure God was pleased to hear Jacob remind him of his promise because it shows that he was listening to God and, and that's what God wants. And, and if you know God you will know that nothing is hidden from him. If you're going to be open with someone, God is the one who would appreciate it. But doesn't he already know what I'm thinking or going through? Yes, he most certainly does. But there's a trust and a confiding in the only one who can deliver you from any situation. In Jacob's human aspects of fear or doubt, he acted out, but he was honest with God, see. The Lord knows everything about us. But what can we say that we know about him? You know, it's interesting to continue the research of God's word. As it has been found that a few thousand promises were seen in the Bible that God had made. And a few thousand promises, whatever the exact number is, was kept by God. Because what God says he's going to do happens. Our Lord is a God of promise. And there is nothing that he had promised that didn't happen. Everything has always happened when he's promised something with somebody. 
And that's the mercy and that's the grace of our God. You see, a lot of people look at God in two different forms. They either see God of strict love, they see God of strict wrath. And the truth of the matter is, is God is both when he needs to be because God is holy. He is a holy God and he acts according to what needs to be done. We, we're not to categorize him. We're not to, to cherry pick him of what we like or don't like. But what we are is to observe him and to follow him and trust him. Because we can never know what he's going to do or say. We have to be open to his perfectness, his perfect mind, his heart, his words. To where we are imperfect. And our relying on him is, is, is a necessity that we have forgotten. But we again, we are normal because we, we do what Jacob did. We, we question why. Or we question, did you not promise that this would happen? That this would be? And we've seen many wonderful examples in the Bible of people who were questioned. They would say, do you really believe that your God is going to get you through this? And their answer was, yes it is. But if he doesn't, we are not going to denounce him. And what a pleasing thing that had to be to God was to know that was to know that, that whatever the case may be with the Lord, we don't always know what His will is. But we're, but we're willing and able to take what His will is. And see, Jacob is going to experience that, what His will is. And it's a powerful thing. It really is a powerful thing just to simply surrender. But sometimes we suffer from a little stubbornness. And, and Jacob at times, again, will, will, will show certain aspects of that, which we're going to see. But it was for his, for his own good, but there was a price to pay. As we're going to observe verse 13 to 21. So in 13 to 21 it says, So he lodged there that same night and took, the, took what came to his hand as a present for Esau his brother. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servant, every drove by him itself, and said to his servants, Pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves, and he commanded the first one saying, When Esau my brother meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong and where are you going? Those are these in front of you. And then you shall say, They are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my lord Esau, and behold, he is also behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterward I will see his face, perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged the night in the camp. Since it was birthrights and blessings that Esau was concerned, you know, with Jacob, uh, shows with gifts, with hopes of being received is what he's doing here. Maybe trying to appease what he thought he lost. 
you know, we didn't see God tell Jacob to do this. But possibly Jacob was looking for a second route. You know, if you think about it, everyone loves gifts after all. Before, Jacob was getting taken advantage of by Laban for the past 20 years. And he was doing all the conniving and, and the dealing which ended him up in the position that he was in. You know, worries on inheritance have been a downfall like no other in families. It's not the design of God by any means. But reconciliation is. Jacob was blessed with many things, many children. But when you have everything from, from a possession standpoint and not your family, there is a void in the lives around others in your household. Yes, there is also some bad apples on the family tree, which may be wise to stay clear of. But the ones that God shows favor to is the ones doing right by him and his will now. You see, Jacob referred to his brother Esau as Lord. Now, he was showing it respect as Esau is the older brother. And he, he was told that he would be the servant. And Esau would be, uh, that Esau would be the servant. This was by God's plan. But yet Jacob displayed the humility in referring to himself as Esau's servant. But, you know, prayer of faith versus the actions of our own thoughts and ways is the difference. Was he buttering him up? No, perhaps, yes. But the gifts, the title Lord, it seems much. But again, the confidence of literally seeing the angels in his presence was the sign that God was with him. In fact, Jacob's next experience is like no other. He definitely experiences God in ways that others did not. As we take a look now at verse 22 to the end. And he rose that night and took his two wives, his two fem female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. And so Jacob called the name of the, of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore this day the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank which is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Hmm. As Jacob was pondering his, his move with his brother Esau, he got this, this visit with a special purpose. You know, I mentioned a while back that his name would be changed. And it was a good change as God did that with some people. See, the names were symbols of how God changed their lives when he did a name change. Your name will be called Israel, meaning governed by God. And the place there was Peniel, called the face of God. 
And Jacob experienced again grace as he was able to wrestle with God and live to tell about it. See, people in the Bible have had some pretty interesting encounters with the Lord, which had changed them forever. You take Paul the Apostle. He had his first meeting with Christ when he was blinded for three days. And then his sight was restored. See, he was on his way to arrest Christians in Damascus of Syria. And on his way, as he was being uh, guided by two Roman soldiers, this bright flash of light came out of nowhere and knocked him down. And then that's when the Lord called him. But there was a price to pay. Paul was blinded for three days. See, God will allow things to happen to us for a reason. Which is his reason. He took a crafty man who did whatever possible to get his way and changed him from his name to his heart from the inside out. See, the man Paul the, Paul the Apostle, his name was Saul. When Jesus called him, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, when Paul was originally named Saul, Saul meant demanded one. And when Paul changed his name to Paul, it means little one. Because Paul recognized that he was the least of the saints. But God made him something very mighty. God made him one of the most influential people in the New Testament. And we take Israel, Jacob, who is now Israel, who's now the conniving heel catcher, is now governed by God. And if there's anything to learn from this, is, is that no one wins a wrestling match with God. Surrendering to him, to him from the beginning is the greatest thing that we can do. And Jacob had a physical scar due to this event. See, many others have scars as well. Kind of like reminders of the fires that were, that were walked through. And the pains of the trials are on many. But it's the grace and mercy that can be seen best. But God will teach us humility regardless of our situations. See, he teaches us through our, through our learnings in his word. And sometimes we're taught through the painful ways of our stubbornness. But humility is given. Humility is given that way as well. But why not avoid it by the surrender of our hearts to the Lord? See, he is a God of love. And he is a God of invitation. To receive his son, Christ Jesus, is to receive eternal salvation. See, in the Bible it says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities of darkness. Jacob wasn't wrestling with principalities of darkness. He was wrestling with God himself. But the principalities of darkness are within us that we do wrestle with. It's not about wrestling the human form. See, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to, to beat someone that you cannot see. Especially when something is more powerful that you cannot see. But Jacob had a very interesting situation. He had a, he had a personal visit. And he did wrestle. He did wrestle with the Lord. 
And God had mercy on him because you don't wrestle with the Lord and get away with it normally. But God had a special plan for Jacob. He had a special, a special way of, uh, of doing things with Jacob that needed to be done. We, we all have a sense of stubbornness in us. And God knows how to, how to bring us to him. I, I've said before that we shouldn't have to, uh, we shouldn't have to hit rock bottom to have a relationship with our Lord. But He will allow us to if need be. But the key is to prevent that. The key is to surrender. We are wrestling against principalities of darkness all the time. Some may have depression. Some may have fear. A lot of us do a lot of pillow planning at night, staying up all night, losing sleep because of uh, whatever reason we're trying to figure out what we're going to do and handle, how we are going to handle the situation instead of giving it to the Lord. But instead we wrestle within these principalities. See, victory's already been done. It's been done on the cross. Because God has sent His only begotten Son to die for our sins. And though that what we're reading now was many, many years before that happened, God was revealing a plan through our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. And through, and through Christ Jesus, He was related through genealogy to Jacob as well. Whatever God's plan for us, I think it's a blessing to know that He has a plan for us. But are we going to be faithful? What I'm doing here is making sure that the plan that's had is that eternal salvation is set. So if you want to receive eternal salvation, you must receive the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And may we stop wrestling and stop trying to fight before something happens to us that that might harm us somewhere in the long run. Because we don't want to have to hit rock bottom in in order to call out to our Lord, but that we would be willing to right now through the best of times and through the worst, just as we would through the worst. So may the Lord call upon you and the Holy Spirit guide you if you are willing. Say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, for you to cleanse me of all of my sins. Lord, I believe that you came and died for my sins on the cross, Lord. And I thank you, Lord. I receive you in my heart as Lord and Savior. And I thank you, Lord, for having me, Lord. So when my time is up, Father, may I enter in your kingdom, Lord, as I am now a child of yours. For, Father, I love you, I praise you, and I receive you now. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Well, 
the most important things that we can do in life is to make sure that our eternal salvation is set. There's the old saying that the only thing for sure in life is death and taxes. That is, that is the most honest and truthful saying that I've ever heard. So may we make sure that we're setting our hearts and our minds for the eternal. Because the time is short on earth, but through our Lord and, and our God, may he, he make sure that our time here is a blessed time as we seek Him and walk closely. So may God be with you always and watch over you. God bless you.